0: Here are the seven gold medalists from Tokyo 2020. It's Prendergast and Gowler coming to the line. Looks like Russian Olympic Committee are poised to take a silver here, but Canada are going to have something to say about that. Up to the line then is Prendergast and Gowler, the world champions who now have the Olympic gold medal too. First Olympic gold in the women's pair. Emma Twigg, Imperious out in front. Victoria Thornley closing on Lobnik It's for the going gold medal. Emma Twigg here coming up to the line after those pair of fourth place finishes. The fabulous Fern from New Zealand wins the gold. It's looking like New Zealand, it really is. And their third gold medal in the rowing. First for the men here at Tokyo 2020. It's the Kiwis coming up to the line. I think Britain are going to be out of it, aren't they, for a minute? Oh, no! coming through just for the silver. They just need to get it in and get it out. Kelly Brazier bangs it into touch. And a nation that has scaled every other peak in rugby now has the one prize that was missing. An Olympic gold. Black gold in Tokyo. New Zealand Olympic champions. Wham! What a finish. No praises too high. Three gold medals, and Lisa Carrington is a Kiwi canoeing superstar. Lisa Carrington, Caitlin Regal, another gold on this marvelous day of canoeing. A medal here that would make Carrington the best, and she comes to the line. She is New Zealand's most successful Olympian of all time, Lisa Carrington.
1: This is the D-R-S. Here we go!
0: It's Jason Pine. News Talk ZB. Seven gold medals, three in the rowing, three in the canoeing, booking ending the uh, Rugby Sevens gold medal. Kerry Gallagher, grace Prendergast in the women's pair. Emma Twigg in the women's single skulls. And then the men's eight in the rowing. Our Black Sevens winning gold. And then it was the Lisa Carrington Show. She won the K1-200, the K2-500 alongside Caitlin Regal, and then the K1-500 metres as well. Seven gold medals for New Zealand, 20 in total, and the possibility of a couple more on the track this afternoon with Holly Edmonston and Callum Saunders taking part. We will keep you right up to date. But at 13 past one, it is a Great pleasure now to welcome in one of our greatest ever Olympians. Barbara Kendall went to five Olympic Games. She won three board sailing medals, gold in Barcelona in 1992, silver in Atlanta 1996 and bronze at Sydney in 2000. She also won 11 world championship medals and 25 national championships during her career in international windsurfing. She is still heavily involved in the Olympic movement is currently a Vice President of the International Surfing Federation and a member of the International Olympic Committee's Women in Sport Commission. Barbara Kendall, great pleasure to have you joining us this afternoon. Good afternoon and thank you for your time. You're welcome. It's nice to be here. A record 20 medals for New Zealand. Did you expect us to do as well as that? No, not at all,
1: especially considering the last year and a lot the lack of competition that many of our athletes have had against international fields, So to have that result um, and what we've been faced being locked down in New Zealand and and not being able to travel to overseas, it's just absolutely phenomenal.
0: What have you picked up from some of those who have done well around how they've negotiated that? the, The lack of international competition heading into what is the biggest one of their lives?
1: Yes, well I think sports are, that's a little bit easier, you know, for instance, some of the rowing and the canoeing and maybe the shot put, because you can can actually compete against the numbers. So you can tell exactly where you are and what you need um, to do to get faster in those particular sports. But sports like, for instance, sailing, hockey, um, even the football, it's very difficult to get up to that, that real high standard if you don't have that international competition where it pushes you at, at that intense level. So those sports are a little bit more difficult. So, um, you know, we've done a really well with the mix of what we've been able to get. You know, when you think about the trampolining, you think about the tennis, all those sorts of things, there's some real anomalies along there as well. But um, overall, just absolutely amazing. And, you know, the, the support that all these athletes must have had from their coaches, High Performance Sport New Zealand, the processes and systems put in place. And then... The New Zealand Olympic Committee, you know, when they get to the Games, the New Zealand Olympic Committee's job is to provide a platform where you feel included, you feel proud to be a New Zealander. Um, whatever the result, if you've given it your best, you're actually celebrated. Um, and they've done an absolutely sterling job of um, making the team feel part of one team, proud to be a New Zealander and all those sorts of things. It's just fantastic.
0: Yeah, haven't they, though? And, and, and under the most... Difficult of circumstances when it comes to that, Barbara, because, you know, none of these athletes have been able really to go and support the others, have they? I I know in previous games, once you're done, you can go and, you know, cheer on some of these other athletes, you know, get back to the village and everybody's there to, to hug you and give you the high fives. None of that's been there because of COVID, but it doesn't feel any less inclusive in that village to me from what I've seen from the outside.
1: I probably think it's been more inclusive because they haven't been distracted by friends and family and going to visit them after the event. Mm. The only thing that they can do is stay in the New Zealand team's bubble and actually go and support their teammates to the events that they actually could that were inside their bubble and, the, and if not supporting them at their event, supporting them when they come back to the village. Um, I think it's probably the strongest bond of team that we've ever had in that respect. So, you know, with... The, you know, with all the difficulties of not having friends and family, yeah, there's always a rainbow on the other side. And the fact that this team is probably stronger than any other team that we've had from from their teammates, you know, so it's been fantastic.
0: 11 of our 20 medals and 6 of our 7 golds have been won by female athletes. 11 of the 18 in Rio were won by females. Our elite women are just bringing us great success and, and, and joy. You know, to watch them. Do you think that's been acknowledged? Do you think we are now at a point where where this is being acknowledged, or is there still some way to go there?
1: No, I actually think this Olympics was really the coming of age um, for how we're doing in female sport, not just actually on the field of play with our um, female athletes kicking ass, <laughs> I'll be able to say that. <laughs> yes, you are. Um, yeah, at the Olympic Games, but also if you think about, you know, from my perspective, watching the games on all the television, you know, on Sky and on TVNZ. Um, and the female sporting reporters and what an amazing job they've done as well. So it's... it's, And this is, a, this is a role that the IOC has actually been striving for a long time and also in New Zealand, with the New Zealand Olympic Committee, really opening up the door for females to come through and this is starting to show. And now with this amazing amount of women with so much success, what will happen now is there'll be a ripple-down effect with more female coaches because that's a place that we're still lacking, female referees, female, female officials, um, and those types of things. So those are the roles that a lot of these females, you know, you can see women out there now, and so it's like, wow, you know, this is something that I can go and do. So um, we've definitely done an amazing job of giving those platforms for female athletes.
0: Yeah, and, and you did right too, and female broadcasters. I think they've just done an absolutely superb job. Some of the interviewing I've seen has been among among the best um, I've ever seen, which has been terrific to watch. Uh, Lisa Carrington, uh, like you did, she's performed at the elite level across three Olympic Games and medalled at all three, of course you went to five, what does it take to stay at the top for that long?
1: Um, Blocking out all the noise from around you and just doing the sport that you love and this is what I really incredibly admire about Lisa Carrington is that she's been such a star for so many Olympics in a row. And to block out all that noise, block out all the hype, you know, all the things that you have to do for your sponsors, she's actually managed that really well. So she hasn't sort of really stepped into her ego side of it. She's actually been really authentically Lisa. And that's what I love about her. She's so humble, so caring, so, you know, she doesn't she doesn't want that. Look at me, look at me. You know, she's more just about, actually, I just do my, I love my sport. I, this is what I do. And, you know, to me, she's the absolute beast. in the beautifulest way possible you know she's just such a machine and she's actually my hero of this game totally yeah amazing
0: yeah we've just loved loved watching her you joined as vice president of the international surfing association in 2014 were an integral part of surfing making its first olympic appearance here in tokyo so how have you assessed surfing's olympic debut it
1: has been for me that was this was it was one of the exciting moments, sort of outside New Zealand's sporting um, prowess. But being a vice president of the surfing, year, we, we worked so hard to get surfing into the Olympic Games, and then to pull off, you know, our last qualification session that was in El Salvador at the um, the end of March or beginning of April. And so it's been really, really tough because we don't get a lot of funding from the IOC at that stage because we weren't in the, officially in the Olympic program, we're just sort of like an outside sport that Tokyo had put in. So it was, the, the team in the International Surfing Association has been absolutely amazing because it's a very small, powerful team. But then to be blessed with, you know, big waves and to watch it on TV, it was, I was really disappointed I wasn't able to go this time because I, um, I was invited, but... Just with the lockdown and the MIQs, it was too complicated. But to see it on TV and to see the images coming out of surfing and the the solidarity between all the surfers and the support that they were getting, um, the footage, the attitudes—you know—it was a lot like the skate skateboarding and sport climbing. You know, the IOC I think are going to be so happy that those three sports are in the Olympic Games, and I know that they're there to stay for Paris. And then pretty much they'll be there for Los Angeles. And I know surfing will definitely be in Brisbane because um, it's there in the Gold Coast because it's, the, it's surfing, it's the capital you know, capital of Australia of surfing in and, and the Gold Coast. So it's a very exciting future ahead for surfing.
0: Absolutely. And those other sports you mentioned as well, because I, as you would have picked up, there were some naysayers who said, you know, you know, what is climbing doing at the Olympics? What is skateboarding doing there? What is surfing doing there? Do you think some attitudes have changed over the last two weeks?
1: Well, if they haven't, <laughs> I think they may have problems. <laughs> because to me, it was just an absolute no-brainer. You know, that's you know, the youth around the world watching these young 12-year-old skateboarders going, oh, my gosh, she's at the Olympic Games. I can go to the Olympic Games. You know, it's doable. So, And, and it's fun to watch. And there's sports that you do because they're fun. Um, and you know, inclusive and the, the, the culture that is around these young sports and it's exactly what the IOC wanted was to have more of a youth appeal at the Olympic Games. So I think they've
0: ticked that box for sure. Absolutely. And just finally, your involvement moving forward, are you going to be heavily involved in the Olympic movement as we head towards Paris and beyond? Um, it's
1: pretty hard not to be because you know, <laughs> sport has just um, it's been my life since I was 16 years old. I've had held so many roles in and around sport and being part of it. I just know that sport makes the world a better place. You know, it grows amazing human beings, and we've seen this coming out of the images, coming out of um, Tokyo, and, you know, these amazing role models and leaders of great people that then come back into their countries and encourage and inspire other people to, you know, be the best that they can be. So there's so much good in sport and um, it's so rewarding you know you make a big impact if you do a good job and so it's one of my joys in life and one of my purposes in life so definitely still to be around and encourage and inspire and motivate um, people in sport.
0: Always so energising chatting to you Barbara thanks so much for taking the time today. Pleasure. Thanks Barbara. Barbara Kendall there Olympic icon and uh, yeah hugely motivational